Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. My name is Henry Chisholm, and um, it's going to be kind of a light show today, uh, but I'm excited for it personally. Uh, we we heard this morning that the game between Colorado and Texas A&M this fall is going to be played in Denver. That was my expectation. Um, I think that was kind of what the, the general expectation was, but they did have the opportunity to play that game in Boulder, and today was the day they officially announced it will be played at the Broncos Stadium in Denver. I want to talk a little bit about that decision, uh, but I want to expand from there and, and look at a bunch of the other non-conference games, both for Colorado and for the rest of the Pac-12, because we haven't done that yet for next season. Um and just kind of like talked about the, the opportunities that the Pac-12 has, um, especially right now when the conference is kind of in flux with a commissioner on the way out and hopefully a commissioner on the way in. Um, I don't know. I, I think it could be some fun. So that's the plan for today. But first, I uh, want to talk just a little bit more about what's going on in rugby in Colorado. Um, and what's happening in Colorado is actually what's happening nationally because the... Rugby Town National Training Center is at Infinity Park in Glendale, Colorado, Rugby Town, USA. That means that it's it's the home of the USA Eagles men's and women's rugby 15s teams. That makes Colorado just the, the center of rugby in the United States. And there's some pretty cool things going on at the training center. The goal is to take a bunch of athletes from other sports and teach them how to play rugby, with the idea being that in the United States, a, a lot of the best athletes uh, play football or play basketball or play whatever sport they play, and, and very few of them go straight to rugby. That's why when those same players who, you know, maybe they played a few years in college, maybe they uh, played a, a little bit in the NFL, maybe they've played football in Canada, once those guys are looking for new challenges rugby wants them u.s rugby wants them to see what they can turn into and right now there's a whole bunch of those guys right here in colorado training to try to become the the next big thing in american rugby and and to take american rugby to the next level um if you want to follow along which i recommend you do uh there are a few ways you can do that first of all follow our guy colton strickler um 
who's who's our reporter covers rugby in Colorado. Um, follow the DMVR Rugby account. Um, listen to the DMVR Rugby podcast. It's weekly. Um, there are interviews with a, a bunch of the most important people in American rugby. And there's also 101 podcasts. They'll teach you how exactly rugby works. Um, it's really cool. DMVR is going to be having watch parties. There's going to be a bunch of giveaways. Um, and now that football's over, rugby is starting up. Um, Super Rugby starts at the end of February, so now is the time to be jumping in, um, especially if you're in Colorado because there's so many cool things happening here right now in the rugby world. All right, so um, like I said, the big news today, really the only news today, I guess it's like 4 o'clock, and as soon as we finish this podcast, there's probably going to be like a crazy, like that's when the strength coach is going to get hired or there's going to be like reports about defensive coordinator, something like that. Um, but as it stands, the news of the day is that Colorado is going to be playing Texas A&M in Denver at Empower Field, um, the home of the Broncos. And it's an interesting decision. You know, it's not a huge surprise. I remember, I think it was the first time I heard from rick george yeah i think that that's true i think it was the football media day in 2019 um where you get chances to talk to all the players all the coaches and the head coach goes up there. there's a whole bunch of media and rick george spoke as well the athletic director for colorado and one of the things that I remember him saying that day, um, when asked, I, I can't remember if the question was specifically about this game or just games in general. Um, I think it was pretty targeted toward this because it was something like, um, have, have you considered doing or holding some, some games at a neutral site in Denver outside of the Colorado State game? And again, this is kind of something that stuck with me. Rick George basically said, you know, there are a lot of people in Denver, a lot of sports fans in Denver, that we can do a better job of marketing ourselves to. Um, and he talked a little bit more about that, um, but that was kind of the the baseline idea. Now, there's obviously other perks to holding it uh, in Denver. Um, the biggest is that the stadium holds over 76,000 people as opposed to the 53,000 people that you get in Boulder. Um, you know, I'm actually not sure what the average ticket price would be. Um, but let's just say that it's 50 bucks times 20,000 more. That's another million bucks right there. And that is obviously worth a ton to see you at this point after going through the pandemic and all that. Now you don't, own those facilities so they i'm sure they had to make some sort of deal with empower and all of that and, and then you have like the the revenue split whatever percentage that texas a&m gets um and so you don't just see all of this money obviously but that is the type of money that we're talking about when you decide to play the game in denver instead of boulder and that is assuming a sellout but i don't think that that'd be a problem because Obviously, you have a bunch of people who want to watch Colorado. There's a bunch of CU grads. There's a bunch of fans, all that kind of stuff. But there's also a, a, got to be a lot of people interested in seeing Texas A&M. I'm not really sure. Personally, I haven't noticed a lot of Texas A&M fans around Denver. I, I don't think that there's like this like little hidden secret society of Texas A&M fans or anything like that in the way that there are like a lot of Nebraska fans. Oh, I see a lot of Iowa fans, it feels like. Um, 
But with Texas A&M being in the position it's been in, you know, they finished the season ranked number four in both polls, the AP poll and the coaches poll. Um, they've been winning consistently for the last couple of years. Obviously, SEC program, um, there is a lot to like about that. And I know I've, t- I've talked to friends um, who said like, oh, we want to come down for a game. Which which game should we come down for? And I was like, well, there are a couple good ones. And as soon as I hear Texas A&M, they really want to see the Texas A&M game. Um, I should also say before I forget, um, so because they were supposed to play in College Station in 2020, but that was canceled because all non-conference games were canceled, um, that game will not be um, made up, or at least at this point, it doesn't seem like it. Maybe there's another deal, and they'll make another contract for the 2030s or something. But as it stands now, they don't plan to make that up. Um, and I, I think Adam Rittenberg, the tweet that he had about all of this, which was probably, I would assume, based on the same press release all of us got, um, he did make it sound like the decision was made to play it at a neutral site instead of in Boulder, um, at least in part because uh, Texas A&M lost its its half of the deal here. Um, and so maybe there's something like that going on. I'm not totally sure. But basically that's what happened and where we are now. Um, it would be... Obviously, a, a very big win for Colorado for a bunch of reasons. Um, first of all, like it, it's a really good program. Um, there's they, they won't probably be ranked as high in the preseason rankings as they were ranked at the end of this year's rankings. Um, they're they're going to lose Kellen Mond, a four-year starter at quarterback. They're losing a couple of other important players, especially in the trenches, which, you know, that's that's the buff strength. If you can beat them up there, especially early in the season, you're going to have a chance. Um, but I do think that this is probably more of like a 15 to 20th ranked team when they come to Boulder next year. Uh, no guarantee, though, uh, and, and a lot can change between now and then. Um, but that would kind of be my expectation. When you beat a, a program that, that's in that position and has the recent history that Texas A&M has, that's obviously incredibly valuable for CU. Um, you know, that's the kind of win that, that changes the perspective of the program. Um, even within the program, I, I'd almost say that especially within the program, a, a win over Texas A&M would change how people feel about where they are. Uh, Carl Durrell in particular, you know, we've, we've talked quite a bit over the last few weeks about where Carl stands on this team. Um, having heard from him a couple of times since the Alamo Bowl, and basically he said... We're two to three years away. Like, like that was a measuring stick game for us, and we didn't measure up to Texas. And Texas A&M, obviously, at, at least last year, would have almost certainly been an even tougher challenge. Um, and and because that game went that way, and I don't necessarily think that Carl would have expected that game to go that way. Um, I, I think he might have been just a little bit caught off guard that they were you know, just, just not quite at the place that Texas is. They're, they're lacking the depth. They don't quite have as many guys who are that top level college football player. 
um, the scheme, you know, all that kind of stuff that just works together. Uh, but if you do turn around and beat Texas A&M, well, then all of a sudden things are in doubt. That's that's another measuring stick game, and you, Texas A&M won't be at its full strength at that point. It's week two of the season. It's I think it's September eleventh. Um, or it's either the 11th or the 19th. Um, and, you know, with a new quarterback, they're still early in the season trying to get things implemented, started to get things clicking. Meanwhile, the buffs should be pretty much at full strength. I guess maybe there's a, a little bit of a cloud hanging over Nate Landman, you know, whether he's going to be ready to play, whether he's going to be playing his best football if he is playing that early in the season. Um, but outside of that, when you're bringing back Sam Neuer, um, there's there's a chance that JT Shrout beats him out. There's a chance that Brendan Lewis beats him out. Either way, if he gets beat out, the offense is in an even better place. Because you know, I, I don't want to say you know what you have in Sam Neuer. You know what the floor is with Sam Neuer. That's a better way to put it. He could come back and improve the decision-making, the ball placement, um, the the you know there, there are ways that he could get better still certainly, but you know that you have at least a serviceable Pac-12 quarterback, and you can bring him back with continuity, mostly the same offensive line, basically the same weapons outside. You're giving him what early on seemed to be his favorite target and Brady Russell back, um, and then you have Jarek Broussard to take a whole bunch of a load off of him. Um, defensively, the same is basically true. You're going to be changing something in that secondary with Darian Rakestraw leaving, but you have enough young guys who've been in the program that you feel like you should have somebody who can step into that role and play fairly well at the very least. Plus, you're going to have some more players from outside the program who could also compete for that role. Um, basically, when you look at these two teams, there's just a lot more turnover, and, and particularly turnover in key areas um, for Texas A&M than there is for Colorado. And, and that will give Colorado a little bit of help. And it, while this is a neutral site game, it's not technically a neutral site game. Um, and this is a thing that happens and in lower levels of college sports, especially on the basketball side. I've heard stories about people who scheduled games specifically like on the other side of town or just right outside of city limits at a different gym, somebody else's, so that they can call it a neutral site game because that counts as more for the net rankings. And while this doesn't really like change things for Colorado. Like in college football, where a game is played doesn't really change its impact. Um because the teams at the top that are really competing for things really aren't losing that many games. You know, Alabama isn't saying, well if if we can get Auburn at the just outside we can play on the practice field, something like that, call it neutral site, we'll still have a bit of an advantage. That's a terrible example because they're in the same state. But um you get the point. They're just going to win all the games, and if they don't, they're not going to account for much anyway. Nobody's looking at whether it's um, neutral or not neutral. But for Colorado, they should have a good home field advantage. You, you do wonder just how many people are going to be there supporting Texas A&M, given that Texas A&M 
without knowing the full history of the program, this feels like pretty close to the best they've ever been. Um, maybe they have like national championships that I just don't know about. Uh, but finishing top four in the country, I would guess that that hasn't happened more than a couple of times in program history. Um, so that's what it looks like. I, I want to talk a little bit more about some other impacts, specifically for the Pac-12. I want to shift this conversation and, and talk more about some of these other non-conference games that are going on across the Pac-12, um, because there are some really good ones. Um, and also kind of talk about what the the situation really is for the Pac-12. Like, how how are they seen? Is it really, like, bottom of the barrel? Have they really been, like, failing? And, and what would it take to get to the next level? Um, but first, got to give a shout-out to our friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, Breckenridge Brewery makes incredible beers. And right now, you can get those beers delivered to you via Zamboni. Um, next week, the Breckenridge Brewery is partnered up with the Colorado Avalanche to deliver beers to people's houses before the Avs games. Um, so there'll be five deliveries that'll happen on the 30th. There'll be five more deliveries that happen the next day on the 31st. And all you have to do is enter by the 28th at breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes to have a chance to have a bunch of free beer delivered by a Zamboni to your house. Um, all you have to do is, like I said, go to breckbrew.com and either click on the Zamboni link or do breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes and sign up. That's it. You have to be 21 to enter. You have to live in Denver and the winners are going to be picked via lottery. So uh, make sure you jump in. And the prize pack also includes those dope avalanche LED light uh, lights that are perfect for your man or woman cave. So good luck. Also, Pigskin fans, the moment you have been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will be the last to score, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code DMVR to get the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code DMVR now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, so I spent the morning doing something kind of weird. Um, mostly just going through and looking at how the Power 5 conferences have performed in non-conference games against other Power 5 conference teams. And 
I I want you to like think in your head of like what you expect the Pac-12 to have done. You know, so how about we jump back to 2019, the last year they played non-conference games, um, and and they played 13 of them as a conference against other Power Five teams. 13 of them. How many of those games do you think that the Buffs won against other Power Five teams just last season? And remember, keep in mind what what is the perspective or the perception of the Pac-12 outside of you know the the Pac-12 region um, because I was surprised to see this. In fact, only one team had a better or one conference had a better record against Power Five opponents than the Pac-12, and that was the SEC. The SEC was 16 and eight. The Pac-12 was the only other team with a winning record at eight and five. Kind of crazy. They were one and zero against the ACC, one and three against the Big 12, but five and one against the Big 10. Shout out to Colorado for beating Nebraska, and uh, they were one and one against the SEC. Uh, and if Oregon would have won that game against Auburn, then that could have been two and zero against the SEC, which would have really flipped the narrative on its head. Um, really should have flipped the narrative on its head the way it happened um the year before 2018 the pac-12 was six and seven in non-conference games against other power five uh conferences year before that seven and nine year before that eight and eight six and eight um 11 and four a great year in 2014 but but that's kind of what it looked like hovering just below uh 500 before 2019, when things really did get quite a bit better. Now, here's the thing about the non-conference games, is that they aren't all against other Power 5 schools. Um, you know, Colorado in 2019, for example, 1-1 one one against non-Power 5 schools, compared to 1-0 against Power 5 non-conference schools. Um, the loss to Air Force being the loss, the win over Colorado State being the win. So, without, I didn't go through all these numbers because that would have just been crazy, but without, like, doing those numbers, I do think that the Pac-12 has had a, a real problem beating the teams that it should beat. And in particular, you know, it, it's schools like maybe Arizona. Last year, they they beat Texas Tech um, in, in a non-conference game, but they also lost to Hawaii. And, and Hawaii in particular has really caused problems for the Pac-12, but there are plenty of other um, schools that have as well. And, and to me, what does stand out when you look through these is the losses to teams that the Pac-12 should beat. They're, they're getting good wins. Maybe not the greatest wins, but good wins. They just need fewer of those bad losses. Um, and that does kind of throw a caveat onto this conversation that I want to have, just kind of looking through what games are on the schedule for the beginning of next season. Um, because when you look at, let's say, you know, BYU plays a bunch of Pac-12 teams. Um, they play Arizona. Uh, they play Utah, I think in middle of the season, they play USC. Um, they also play Arizona state. Those are games that really stand out because those would all be very good wins for the PAC 12. What might happen though, is that when Arizona state beats BYU in week three, Cal falls to Sacramento state and it kind of undoes the work that the conference is doing. Um, to me, 
as it stands now, you know, it, it is tough at the moment to get a gauge on where all the Power 5 conferences rank. Um, you know, the, the Pac-12 has had success um, against the other Power 5 conferences the last time we saw them play them. Um, but, again, we know what the perception is. We know that the bad losses are out there. We know that typically there is some cannibalism, and whether that's because there's a nine-game conference season instead of eight like a lot of the other conferences. I don't know. We're not going down that road. But what I do think is that for the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff next year, which is kind of what this is all about, I'm not sure that a one-loss team, a one-loss Pac-12 champion, I do think a one-loss Pac-12 champion gets in. I don't think a two-loss champion does. I, I, I think it would be very, very difficult. But I do think that if Colorado goes out there and puts together an, another strong performance in the non-conference schedule, maybe picks up an, another big win, a, a win over a top 10 team, something like that. You know, Colorado has one of those opportunities, obviously, playing against Texas A&M. I think that the next year you, you could see a little bit more wiggle room if things go well. Or, you know, if, if, if USC or Arizona State or... I think Washington will be good. Oregon will definitely be good. If, if one of those big teams goes through and, and runs the table, goes to college football playoff, obviously that would kind of change things too. Um, but as it stands, it may feel like Colorado is, as Carl Durrell would say, two to three years from being competing at the highest level. What happens in those two to three years throughout the conference is very important for Colorado because that does kind of set the tone where, you know, in the SEC, if you lose a game during the season, you lose again in the SEC championship game, there's a good chance you're still going to the college football playoff. And there's a good chance that the conference champion will be there too and you'll just get two spots. That does not happen with the Pac-12 right now. And, and honestly, that's not going to happen in the next two or three years. Things aren't going to change that much. I mean, I, anything's possible, I guess. But as I, as it stands now, it does not seem like that would happen. Um, what Colorado needs is for the Pac-12 to be in a good place because that just makes it so much easier to, to break through when the time does come to break through. Um, and that's why this conversation is, again, important. Um, and so I just want to let's just run through some of these. Um, there's only one week zero game. It's Hawaii at UCLA. That's the only week zero game for a Pac-12 school. What an awful way to start the season that loss could be. Um, it's nice that it isn't on the island. Like, that's that's what you really get scared of. Um, you should win that. You should win that. And I'll, I'm willing to just say it straight up. Um, week one, Colorado plays Northern Colorado in Boulder. Obviously not a huge game. Would be a big loss, though. Um, outside of that, there are some interesting matchups. Even, honestly, Fresno State at Oregon. That, that'll be a nice little test um, for Oregon right off the bat. Not like the toughest of tests by any means, but I think there might be more of a challenge there than people anticipate. There are some better games, though, like LSU at UCLA. That's a big one, especially because that's one that UCLA could get which is kind of crazy considering how concerned I just was about Hawaii, but LSU's program is not in a good place. And I do think that this probably was a down year for LSU. 
in that after losing as many pieces as they lost, there was just a whole bunch of inexperience everywhere. You needed to give guys a chance to grow, and now you're going to start to see them climb just a little bit more. Um, whether that happens at the beginning of the season, though, very much up in the air, and, and traveling all the way across the country to Los Angeles is not going to be easy to do. Um, that that game is on the table. And I guess if I'm being totally honest, I think if, if that game would have been played, you know, let's just say like late November 2020, I would have picked UCLA in it. Um, again, that that those are the games that kind of side things because you can't have a UCLA, a team that was one of the five best in the Pac-12, and I think a lot of people would argue even better than that, losing to a team that did what LSU did this season, which was kind of like flounder. Um, so that isn't to say that it won't happen. The LSU won't beat UCLA in Los Angeles, but if it does, then that is one of the best paths to having a great non-conference schedule for the Pac-12. Um, outside of that, obviously like I'm excited for the Montana at Washington game. Probably won't go well. It didn't when they went to Oregon. I'm personally excited, um, but you do have Stanford versus Kansas State on the schedule, and and that's one that you probably. I mean, that'll that'll be competitive. Th- those aren't the best teams in either conference at this point. It's going to be played in Arlington, Texas, by the way. Um, but that's another one that will kind of set the balance. You know, are you beating these Big Twelve teams that they didn't beat in 2019? And then the other big one in week one is Arizona versus BYU in Vegas. And, you know, I don't expect Arizona to win. BYU is a better football team than Arizona is. Arizona might be my pick for last. And I guess we do south and north, so it probably would be my pick for last place in the Pac-12 South. Um, and BYU obviously coming off an incredible year. At the same time, though, BYU is losing a whole lot of talent, including their starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, who I think was there for three years as a starter, um, and a whole bunch of other players as well. So that team isn't going to be the the same as the team that they had this year. And especially early in the season, I believe this is the first game for BYU, you might be able to go in there and beat them after after all the turnover that they've had and get some credit for it um, because people will still see BYU as what they were this year because that's, you know, what the taste in everybody's mouth is. And that's going to be true in week two as well. And obviously this is an even better chance to win because it's Utah playing BYU. Um, but all of a sudden, if, if even if it's just a Utah win over BYU, and Utah I think will be better next year than they were this year, I uh, I think that that's enough to to, to make a bit of a statement. Um, we we've talked enough about Utah or about BYU. Sorry. Um, that same week, there's some other good games. Cal playing TCU is a big one. Um, Oregon at Ohio State is massive. Um, again, Ohio State's going to be a pretty heavy favorite, but they're replacing a quarterback. Uh, they'll be replacing a running back, I believe. Um, I get, they'll they'll have Master Teague back, their number two, um, 
and some of their best weapons back. So th this is one where Ohio State is going to be pretty heavily favored. But if Tyler Shuck and the rest of that team is ready to take a step, you know, they competed with Auburn a couple years ago. Why not go go compete with Ohio State? Um, my money isn't on it, but that is a big opportunity, obviously. Um, that's also Texas A&M Colorado week. Again, we've talked a lot about this game. If Colorado does pull it out, huge, huge win, obviously, um, for Colorado and for the conference. And the other big game in week two, Washington at Michigan. That's an interesting one because Michigan is a program that is not in a good place, but it's Michigan. And that means that they're going to be ranked before the season. That's just how it works. Even if they're going to be really bad during the season and it's going to be embarrassing for all the voters who said that they were going to be good, it's Michigan. They will be ranked. Um, Washington has been trending up. Again, they played really well last year. They should have been in the Pac-12 title game. That defense is very good and very young. And I'm excited to see if they can take a step. And, and even if they don't, that Michigan game is very winnable. And I I wonder who will be favored. Michigan will probably be favored that early in the season. But if Michigan loses week one, they probably scheduled a cupcake. But if they did, then who knows? Um, big opportunity for the Pac-12 to knock off a couple of the marquee Big Ten teams in week two. And then week three, the last week of normal non-conference play, you've got Arizona State taking a shot at BYU. And that's when I think Arizona State wins. Um, again, we've talked a lot about BYU. I think Arizona State could beat them, and I think that that would be a very good win for the same reasons it would be a good win for the other teams we've talked about. Um, Colorado will host Minnesota that week. Minnesota, I guess P.J. Fleck's name has been thrown around quite a bit for some of the other coaching jobs. Um, if he's still there, Minnesota is going to be um, a, a team that people are excited about going into the season. I believe Tanner Morgan, the quarterback, is going to be back. I believe Mohamed Ibrahim, the running back, is back. Um, that's going to be a test. But again, if Colorado wins, and who knows, if, if Colorado does beat Texas A&M, does beat Minnesota, they're going to be up there in the rankings. The Pac-12 is going to be in a very good spot. Um, unlikely just like if you're looking at everything on paper, but you're at home at least. Um, Stanford plays Vanderbilt. Stanford should win that. It is at Vanderbilt, but I mean, who... That that seems like a game that Vanderbilt wins, and then everybody says, wow, Stanford lost to Vanderbilt? Ugh, the Pac-12 sucks. So be ready for that. Um, and then throughout the season, there are a couple more non-conference games. Week 8... Um, BYU plays Washington State, another chance for Washington or for Pac-12 to get a win over BYU. Um, you're you're gonna have to be cheering hard if you're a Pac-12 fan for BYU in these non-Pac-12 games, because because when that is they're playing, I think five teams. I believe they play another one. Is it 13? Yeah, week 13 they play USC too. So I that, I think that is five Pac-12 games for BYU that is going to change the strength of schedule by quite a bit, how they do in the games against other teams. Um, also in week 13, you have Notre Dame at Stanford. 
you you have to think Notre Dame would win. But again, Stanford, they could turn it around at any moment. With David Shaw there, I still think that he can can do the job. That's not to say it's going to happen, or certainly not to say that it's going to happen to the level that would mean that they beat Stan- Notre Dame, but an opportunity. And then the week eight as well, which we kind of skipped on from USC, will go to Notre Dame. Um, and that's one on, I do think USC has a good chance of winning. Um, we'll see what exactly Notre Dame looks like, whether they're a college football playoff contender again. You know that they're going to have a whole lot of talent there. You know, USC is going to have a bunch of talent. And I think that USC should be competitive against just about everybody except for Bama. And I think that's about it, at least until we see, like, Clemson do it without Trevor Lawrence a little bit more. Um, But I guess I've – again, things add up for USC. That's why I say that, Um, just because you expect Keaton Slovis to take another step – as, as he progresses, and he still looks to be a very good young quarterback. Um, they have talent all over the place. They've underperformed, though, and so maybe saying that they should compete with everybody. Like, it should be. USC has to show that they can do that before I stay, say things like that in hindsight. Um, because in, re- in recent history, they have not been able to compete at that level. So, again, that's kind of what you're looking at. There are some really big opportunities Um Again, you have a couple of shots at Notre Dame. You have a, a few shots. You have five shots at BYU. Um, you have shots at Michigan, at Ohio State. And if you can just pull out a couple of those wins, honestly, LSU as an SEC team is going to be overrated. You have te- We shouldn't ignore the, the buffs. They have Texas A&M. That would be as good a win as any probably in the Pac-12 next year um, if the buffs pull it out. So that's kind of what you're looking at. Those are the big games. Um, I had fun going through and just kind of like looking at what's on the way. Um, you know, none of the games are the USC Bama game that was supposed to happen um, last year before the season got destroyed. Um, but USC wasn't going to win that game anyway, so it's probably best that it didn't happen. Um, so yeah, those those are some of the things that I'm looking forward to. That That's what I'm excited about. And the Buffs have a chance to really make a name for themselves. Um uh, I think that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the DMVR Buffs podcast, probably talking a little bit about the upcoming homestand for Colorado that starts on Wednesday against... Oh, now that I think of it, who do they... Oh, it's Washington State again, of course. No wonder that took me a second. Against Washington State. Um, so, so be ready for that, and I'll see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway when I'm in it play Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes.
fast. I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. And you on your own now. Why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with ya. You can get it anytime. Get me started at the scrimmage. We gon' win it at the line. I call a bottle swag in the middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. They like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in that play.